Make us a house of prayer, Lord. Make this little building a house of prayer where we can come and pray every day, any time of the day and night. Make us a house of prayer, Lord. Father, today we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that you reveal yourself to many people today, whether they be over the Internet or they're here in this church. Reveal yourself to us all. For those that have salvation, reveal yourself more to each and every one of us. For those that never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, maybe today is the day your Holy Spirit will win them over. Today is the day that they separate, I should say surrender to the voice of the Holy Spirit and come unto you. Lord, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So they better be ready today. All of us, every one of us. Lord, today, open the doors to heaven wide. Open the hearts of people wide. Open the hearts of those in this church and those listening. Open their hearts to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. And may you be glorified through it all, Father, through your Son. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. Lewis, great job. Matt, great job. Praise the Lord. Amen. For those that just tuned in online, this is Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're, you're here. Stay online and stay with us. We're going to be uh, studying today in Proverbs, actually, chap- verse chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. And uh, you know what? I have 12 verses here. I'm a, I don't know if we're going to get through them. You know, because I don't know if we're going to get through the first verse. <laughs> because we're going to look at eight different things, that, that eight different men in the Bible that never got to see tomorrow. Okay? And, uh, you know, coming off of uh, my mother-in-law passing away, it's kind of an appropriate time. You know, we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. For those online, you know that. You know, you might want to shut me off right about now, but too bad. You know, preachers are supposed to preach the gospel in season, out of season, every minute, everywhere they go, because there's a whole lost world out there. So this is Little Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and do not despise the day of small beginnings, or do not despise anything that's small because it's large. Anyway, we're, for those online, if you're local, we're in West Palm Beach, Florida, actually, Lantana, just south of West Palm Beach, north of Boynton Beach. High Paluxo Road is the, is the top, the north border of Boynton Beach and the south border of Lantana. We're right there, High Paluxo Road, get on I-95, head to High Paluxo Road, go a quarter mile west on the north side of the road, and you'll see Freedom Church, a little freestanding building. Um, so come on by. If you're, if you're local, come by Saturday, Sunday at 10 a.m. Or men, if you're, if you're looking for a Bible study, Saturday morning we have a Bible study right here in the church. It is not aired, but um, 9 o'clock every Saturday morning we have a group of guys that, that meet here for Bible study. And uh, 
and prayer. So come on by if you're local. If you're online, it's freedomchurchpb.org. If you're not, you know, if you're online, freedomchurchpb stands for palmbeach.org. You can find out our beliefs. You can find out our address. You can find out our ministries. You can watch past services. You can give, um, to, uh, even donate online should you uh, be led to. And for those of you here, you know that we don't take an offering, never have, never will. There's boxes in the back, just like Josiah did in the Bible. You know, um, so there's boxes in the back to, to support your local church. Um, we're just a full, full gospel Bible-believing church. Um, let's see. That's about it, I think. Um, we're glad you're all here. Stay tuned. Get your Bibles out. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. Um, and, um, you know, you can use your choose your version. They're pretty much, you know, the same content. Um, Lewis, great job with the songs. Where is he? Uh, Lewis, great job. You know, I like that first song you played. There ain't no grave going to hold his body down. <laughs> There's no grave going to hold the body of Jesus down. He's sinless, you know. Nothing's going to do it. And it says, uh, it ain't no, no grave that's going to hold his body down. As he walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. So you guys over there and those here, you know, since Jesus walked out of the grave, you have the opportunity to walk out of the grave yourself. But it, it takes a step of action. You have to place your faith in Christ Jesus our Lord and what he did on the cross for you. So you have to receive him into your heart. Like you receive a Christmas present from your spouse or your children, you receive it from your parents. Or your parents, you receive it from your children. You have to receive that gift. For God so loved you that he sent his only begotten son. And it's that simple, people. The church, the world, everybody tries to make it hard. It's that simple. There's only one sin that sends you to hell. It's written in the Bible. It's the rejection of Jesus Christ. If you have a tattoo on your arm and you die tomorrow, you're still going to the kingdom. If you know Jesus Christ. He ain't going to send you away because you have a tattoo. He isn't going to send you away because you didn't wear um, a suit to church. He's going to send you to the pit out of his, you know, because you rejected the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And precious, precious blood. So my question to the, the audience here, here and over the air, are, are you walking too with us? As Jesus walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. You guys, I know, I look around from what I see, you're all believers, you're walking too. I want to know, for those online, are you walking or are you staying here? I suggest that you walk. And that's what our message is kind of on to today. It's Proverbs 27. Let me read verse 1. And I'll read the full 12, 12 verses that I have here, but here's the first verse. It says, Never brag about the day to come, because you don't know what it might bring forth. We don't know. We just buried my mother-in-law yesterday. My wife don't like that word bury, but we did. We buried a mark. We didn't know. We knew she was close, but we didn't know. But us younger people... You know, she was I'm going to be 85. Actually, she was 85 on Saturday, yesterday. Um, 
We don't know how many days we have. We really don't know. I look around the world, I watch the news, I sit there. I very seldom watch the news, uh, but I'll tell you what. Well, somewhere the other day I'm watching the news and I'm thinking like, this guy, this, this person murdered their children, that person murdered their parents. I'm going, oh my goodness. Look around the world, do we need Jesus or what? You know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know whether we're going to see tomorrow. And I got eight examples right here, and we're going to look into them a little closer, because as I was reviewing this morning, and I had not a lot of time to put a message together this week, but uh, because of the loss of my mother-in-law, whom I love dearly, um, you know, I, I got down here eight examples that in, this, in the Bible that I know of, and we, I'm sure there's more, but eight examples of people that did not know what was going to happen tomorrow that thought they had years to come, and they don't. You have to be smart. You have to be wise and, uh, and prepare for your eternal future. Um, before I go on, I want to introduce you guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to hope to um, embarrass anybody, but make sure you say hi to our two friends here. Stand up, Joe and Nina. This is Joe, and his mother is Nina, right with him. So, you know, be careful to say hello to them. They're, they're uh, here today to visit us, and we thank the Lord that you stopped by. But this is a message I think we all need to hear because every single one of us, uh, you know, you got, we got appointments made for, who knows, the next six months, you know. And, but we don't know if we're going to have those six months, you know. So... Uh, let me read those 12 verses that I have prepared here. This whole message online, we named it Some Wisdom for Tomorrow. But you know what? It might be just uh, examples of not knowing tomorrow, you know, as we look at the, the uh, passage here today. Let me read the, the whole passage, Proverbs 27, the first 12 verses. The wicked, well, it's the wrong verse. Chapter 27. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring forth. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but the provocation of a fool is heavier than both of them. Wrath is fierce and anger is a flood, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is an open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. A sated man loathes honey, but a famished man, any bitter thing is sweet, like a bird that wanders from her nest. So is a man who wanders from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother far away. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad, that I may reply to him who reproaches me. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. But the first verse today, of course, is maybe we will move on. I don't know. We're going to see. But never boast 
or do not boast, says the New American Standard. The King James says, the New King James says, never brag about the days to come. The New American Standard, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring forth. We've got to remember this, and uh, sometimes the world needs to be refreshed on this. We, we aren't promised tomorrow, and, you know, we don't know what's going to happen to us. The Bible in Hebrews 9, and Matt read some of Hebrews 9 this morning, in verse 27, 28, it says this, Inasmuch as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this comes judgment. So Christ also, having been offered to bear the sins of many, shall appear a second time, apart from sin, to them that wait for him unto salvation. This verse, there is an appointed time for each and every one of us. You know, many times I've done lots of memorials. I hate them. I hate death. But we're responsible for that, not Jesus, not God. We're not responsible. We're responsible for death. We brought death into the world. The world was created perfect. All the animals, the lion was laying with the lamb, and the children did play by the cobra's den. But we changed it all because we sinned. And because of that, you know, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. You know, it's appointed once for us to die. But Jesus said it very clearly. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though you were dead, yet shall you live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. But he's talking about eternal death, spiritual death. We are going to die. This flesh has to put on immorality. You know, we have to, this immorality must put on sanctification, set apart. We have to be sanctified to get to heaven. We're appointed once to die. But many times people say to me, because we are a Bible-believing church, and I believe that God's able to heal anybody. I believe he's ready to, he can raise people from the dead. I really do. But sometimes it doesn't happen. I've had many people over the years, we prayed for many people in this church, and they never got to see tomorrow. And people always ask people, we prayed in faith, Pastor Joe. We fasted. But they left anyhow. Well, two things you've got to know. Number one, there's an appointed time for each and every one of us. God knows it, not us. So you could pray to your blue in the face for someone to live, and if it's their appointed time that God has set in his ways, all the days of men are numbered. You know, then we're going to go. That's all there is to it. But many times, we, like I mentioned yesterday, my mother-in-law was put in the grave yesterday, I'll tell you. But 12 years ago, we were in the same situation we were with her 12 years ago. She was dead. They were counting her dead. The doctor came into Wellington General there and said, you know, put your her affairs in order. You know, she's done. She'll never make it out of here. So me, they, he was so, I, he spoke Spanish. I didn't understand Spanish. But I knew the news wasn't good. By the way, the family was reacting. They're crying and wailing. And I'm there like, wow, this is bad news. Then this other doctor came in after that screwball left, and he came in, he was really kind and compassionate with the family, and he said, 
Um, I don't know if you guys are spiritual at all, but now's the time to pray. Whew. Me and him worked up a friendship during that stay that she had there. He's a Spanish doctor, too. He's talking, he's talking. You, this is a time to pray. And we all buckled down and we all prayed, and the Lord sent her home. And 12 years ago, she was in that situation. That wasn't her appointed time. You know, last Saturday at 5.55 p.m. was her appointed time. Godly woman. A lot of people don't like their mother-in-law. I love my mother-in-law. What a godly woman. I should have preached on that, you know, a little bit more. Maybe Mother's Day we'll preach on Proverbs 31. But listen, we, know, we all have an appointed time for men to die, and after this comes judgment. My mother-in-law became my, my mother because I lost my mother 20 years prior to that. Well, and I got to know her about two years after my mother passed. And I, lo I loved her like a mother. And after this comes judgment, we have to realize, everybody needs to realize, you can avoid it all you want, but there are two judgments coming. And maybe the church and even, you know, churches want to be, be pacified with nice messages. And that's okay. There's times for that. There's a time for joy and there's a time to weep. But you have to realize there are two judgments coming in the Scriptures. They're defined in, in several verses, and we're not really going to study on that today. But there's the right white throne judgment. The white throne judgment is going to be executed for all unbelievers. Those that pass away without knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior. Oh, that's narrow, Pastor. Just Jesus Christ, it's not Buddha, it's not Muhammad, it's not Allah. Well, listen, either Jesus is a liar, deceiver, or he's the truth. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and nobody, that means nobody, and that means not you, not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Allah, there's our, you know, it's him and him alone. And that's narrow, but Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7, the way is narrow that leads to life, and few there are that find it. Now, God's hoping that, and I'm hoping that the whole world would repent and come to know Jesus. But it's just not that way, unfortunately, because men want to live their lives the way they want to instead of the way God wants to. And Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6 to pray that his kingdom come to this earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we want. For those people that reject Jesus Christ, you realize that you have just trampled the precious blood of God Almighty on the ground. And you treated it as unholy. Again, Hebrews chapter 9. You treated it as unholy. And there will be consequences for that. And that will happen at the white throne judgment. You heard the saying, one life will soon be passed only what's done for Christ will last. And I don't know who quoted that, but it's true. Your life is soon going to be passed. You don't promise tomorrow. I hope you live for a million tomorrows. But it's not going to happen short of one thing, that's the rapture. When the Lord shall descend with, from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord's in the air. 
And those people won't have to die. They're going to be transformed. 1 Corinthians 15 says that they'll be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. They'll be gone. Boy, the world needs that now for a bunch of Christians and all the little baby kids, children to be taken out of the world and everybody's going to say, Jesus Christ is Lord, the ones that heard about him. They still have a choice. You can say that all you want, but you still have to receive him as your Savior. But as many as received him, he gave you the right to become the children of God. There's an appointed time, and I hope your appointed time is not tomorrow. I'm hoping your appointed time when it does come, that you will stand be before the other judgment, which is the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is not going to be for, you know, your, your, your being sent to the, to the lake of fire. It's going to be rewards or lack of rewards for what you did or didn't do in Jesus' name, in God's name. Okay, you gave a million dollars to this church. Yeah, it won't make you to heaven. I know a guy that gave five million dollars to a church, and he was just a raunchy sinner. He thought his money was going to pave the way to heaven. Sorry, it won't happen. The only world that paves to heaven is the blood of Christ. If you receive the precious blood that we had communion this morning, that Matt taught about, the precious blood of Jesus, you received him and what he did on the cross as your Savior. But he's going to appear this second time, says Hebrews 27, in the clouds. And that's the time of the rapture. You find that in 1 Corinthians 15. You find it in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. He's going to come back in, in the clouds, and he's going to, his feet are never going to touch ground. Just all the believers are going to be snapped out of this world. And I, I'm believing that's the beginning of the tribulation. That's my view. But that's okay. I could be wrong. You know what? That's not going to send me to hell. What's going to send me to hell is if I re rejected or didn't. If I rejected the blood of Christ, that's going to send me to hell. I'm just wrong. <laughs> I hope it's prior. I know the people that are saying um, post or mid-trib I'm going to say to they're going to be saying I'll be saying to them, aren't you glad I was right? You know, you don't have to go through tribulation. But Jesus is going to come back. His feet aren't going to hit the ground. And we're all going to see him. And the dead in Christ, that means the ones that have died and are asleep, as Jesus called it. But you see in 1 Thessalonians 5, 13 through 18, that the saints come with him. How could they be in the grave and there at the same time? You're alive and well. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, I think it's 5, verse 8. And, and he said this, to be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord. And Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, and I will come again, and I will take you to myself. I'm, I'm convinced that Jesus, at your deathbed, you're going to open your eyes and see Jesus. You know what? People say they see angels before they're gone. You know what? I'll tell you what. The angels are there too. I'm sure of it. But God, you're going to see Jesus face to face. The, the God that you loved all your life or most of your life 
or maybe even for a short time, the one that saved you from the white seat, white, ju- white throne judgment. You're going to look at him face to face. And the Bible says you're going to be just like him. Whew. Not only that, you're going to be married to him. Oh, man. You are the bride of Christ, according to the scriptures. But what a, who wouldn't want to be a Christian? This is truth. These aren't Bible stories. They're Bible truths. David did kill Goliath. And, and Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. These aren't, these aren't Bible stories. They're Bible truths. They're true. Samson did pull down the, the, the temple being tied up to two main pillars. It did happen. At the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to be receive war, rewards or your lack of rewards. But even if you don't get a single reward, at least you are in heaven. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men all that God has prepared for those who love him. By receiving Jesus as your Savior and asking him into your heart and not treading on his precious blood... You are receiving Christ as your Savior. And you become a child of God at that point. Your name, you know, it may, you may not be called literally Saint Christopher. But if your name is Christopher, you are a saint. You don't have to be ordained or whatever they call it in some mega church or something like that. No. You become a saint the minute you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And you are now sanctified, set apart. You are holy. It's time for you on this earth to, to uh, act out your holiness. This is time, that dash between birth and life, that dash is where you, you grow in sanctification in the Lord. You grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And you pick up the rewards that are offered to you. you know, and I've studied them, and we, I've even preached it here about the rewards God has prepared for you. But don't be doing it for yourself or for personal gain or for, for a selfish ambition. You've got to be doing it for Jesus because you love that person. That's why you gave him a $5 bill when you saw him standing on a street corner. The white throne judgment. For unbelievers, the, the judgment seat of Christ is for believers. They will be judged for what they did and didn't do. It's explained in John chapter 12, verse 30 through 32, and I, I, I use this verse a lot because it's very important, this verse. Because, well, I'm gonna, I'll just read it. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now the judgment of this world now shall the prince of this world, that's Satan, be judged and cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto, my, unto myself. And I told you many times, I will draw all men to myself. That word man there, if you have your Bible, it should be in parentheses, and it should be italics. And that means that it's not in the manuscripts. In this case, in this verse, 
It is not in any manuscripts. That means it doesn't appear. That's for you to know as you study your Bible, you learn these things. So he's not going to draw all men to himself. What's the context of these three verses? It's judgment. Now judgment of this world. Now is the judgment of this world. And the prince of this world is cast out. The devil has been judged. He's been cast out. And this passage is about judgment. So here's the way that should read, since the word men doesn't appear in any manuscript. You know what? If it appeared in one manuscript, I would call it scripture. I'm talking about manuscripts from antiquity. If it were in one, one manuscript, it's scripture as far as I'm concerned. But it's not in any. And the context of this is judgment. So what's Jesus saying? If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all your judgment to myself. He judged your sins on the cross. You're free. You're clean. Amen. Amen. You are clean. And now you can get to heaven. Because Moses couldn't see See God in all of his fullness, even though he wanted to. And you know, God said, okay, I'll let you see my hind part. He put him in the cleft of a rock, and he let him see his hind parts as he went by. And the earth quaked and trembled, and, you know, it'd just be consumed if you saw God in all of his glory. Many people saw Jesus, but not God in all of his majesty. But Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of God's nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. So he is God. But he's the son of God made manifest to you. And last week I taught on the angel of the Lord where Jacob wrestled with the angel. You know, and that was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. Because he named that place, I saw God. You know, he, saw, he said, I'm undone. I saw God. He said, he's figuring he's out of here. But he's not because he just saw the Son of God manifest before he was incarnated in the New Testament through Mary, as you know. So, judgment, if, you can, or if your sins remain on you, you will be judged. You will be judged not at the judgment seat of Christ. You will be judged at the great white throne judgment. And that's where you will hear... Maybe these words, depart from me, I never knew you. So aren't you glad that all your sins were judged on Jesus? I'll tell you what. What I've done in my life, I deserve hell. But Jesus saved me. Listen. What a great Savior we have. It's for those who receive him. Remember the verse says that the Lord has judged the devil. Okay? Here's some examples of not knowing, of people that did not know what tomorrow would bring. There's Jonathan... who was siding with David, even though he was next in line to being the son of Saul to be king. Saul went out to kill David. Jonathan warned him. 
But how was he delivered? He didn't know tomorrow. David would have been dead, except God moved people out of the way. Eight examples. Saul didn't know this. But Saul, as he was trying to get David to kill him, he was sidetracked because the Philistines, okay, attacked him in Israel, and he had to return to Israel and never got to see, you know, uh, never got to get to David. He didn't know tomorrow. He thought for sure he was going to kill, you know, David. Then there was people like Haman in Esther chapter 5 and chapter 7. Haman prepared to hang, you know, um, Haman. Haman prepared to hang Esther's uh, father. He wasn't really his father. He was a stepfather. He wanted to talk him in. Okay? He, he built a gallow to hang some of the Jews, and according in, in uh, Esther's stepfather, I guess you could say, and uh, he ended up getting hung himself. He thought he was going to kill Haman, but he ended up, I mean, Haman ended up killed. He didn't know about tomorrow. He thought for sure the Jews were going to be wiped out and he could get the, the hang the Jew that was causing the problems. And instead it was him that was hung. Then it was Nebuchadnezzar, and I'm going to read you that passage, Daniel chapter 4. We're going to be here for a little while. Daniel chapter 4, verses 30 through 37. It's important. He didn't know about tomorrow. This doesn't bring in death, but he didn't know this was going to happen to him. So verse uh, 30 through 37 in Daniel chapter 5. Then the king, this is Nebuchadnezzar, reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and of, for the glory of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came down from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared sovereignty has been removed from you and you will be driven away from, um, from mankind, and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the fields. You will be given grass to eat like cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is the ruler over the realm of mankind, and bestow on it him, whomever, and he bestows it on whomever he wishes. Immediately, the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled and was driven away from mankind and began to eat grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven, and he had hair, had grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. But at the end of the period, Nebuchadnezzar, listen to this, he raised up his eyes towards heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. But he does according to his will in his, his will in 
the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, What hast thou done? At that time, there's Nebuchadnezzar talking, my reasoning returned to me, and my majesty and splendor were restored to me, and the glory of my kingdom and my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out, so I was reestablished in my sovereignty, and surpassing greatness was added to me. And I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, honor the King of heaven, for whom his works are true, and his ways are just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. See, people that are afraid to accept Jesus as their Savior, they're walking in their own pride. Listen, Nebuchadnezzar thought it was all him. But it wasn't him. God had mercy on him and grace upon him and gave him these, the, the kingdom that he had. But he didn't recognize it. So God had the power. He didn't know that the next day he was going to turn into a wild beast himself. There's a beast here, but no beauty. Except at the end, those last verses. I love this. I'm wondering if I'm going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, honor the king of heaven, for all his works are true and his ways just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. He's admitting his pride right here. He's saying that God is, his, is God now, and you wonder. But he didn't know that he was going to be a wild beast the next day. Anything could happen to us. We don't know what's going to happen to us tomorrow could be death. It could be health. It could be, you know, God's going to humble you in such a way. We don't know what it is. So don't brag about tomorrow. That's what Psalm, Proverbs 27, 1 says. Don't brag about tomorrow, for I don't know what it brings forth. Nebuchadnezzar never expected this. Actually, as I was reading it, people were probably saying, I never read it before. That happened? <laughs> yeah, it did happen. Jonah didn't know he was going to get swallowed by a whale. David never expected to fight Goliath that day. You don't know what's going to happen. Saul, on the other hand, and we didn't, I don't even have this here, but I'm thinking of Saul when he went to the witch of Endor to get, you know, to find out if he's going to be successful in battle. Of course, he left there, and it was told to him, you know, he, he, he was killed the next day. He was killed the next day because he went to the witch of Endor. And you know what? The consequences even passed on because his two sons were killed in that same battle that same day on the same mountain. We can't exalt ourselves. Listen, listen. If I would love everybody that I touched to be healed. I've anointed myself many times over the years. I've anointed my wife and my children and my mother-in-law that's with the Lord now. I've anointed her many times and prayed over her. I didn't know what was going to happen the next day. I didn't know if I was going to be healed. I was hoping because I believed the Bible. I wonder, is it my faith? Am I wrong? Even if I am, I'm going to heaven. Praise God. Praise God. Then I see the pastors in the world on the internet fighting amongst one another. 
you know, this one believes in the gifts, this one don't believe in the gifts, and they ostracize each other. He's a cult, he's a cult, and neither one are cults because the bottom line is they all both believe that Jesus came, he died, he was buried, and he is risen. Why? Why do we do that? We're brothers, so what? You disagree. One of us is wrong. Maybe both of us are wrong. Maybe something else is true. You know what? That's pride. Get rid of pride. Pride is what Satan fell from. Pride, you know, takes down the mighty men of God. I've watched it take down many people over the years. Nebuchadnezzar was humbled at this time. You know what? How can I say this? Um, there's many verses in the Bible, you know, that pertain to um, a lot of times, like, see Balaam Balaam for example he was headed on his donkey to offer a curse over Israel as they came out of Egypt and God you know the king his king told him to curse them so of course Balaam's on his way to curse Israel he's a prophet he's on his way to curse Israel he's beating his donkey he's got to get there fast and the donkey just stopped and wouldn't go anywhere. He's beating him. He wanted to kill him. And then the donkey began to speak. And he said, you know, it was you who would be dead right now if I didn't stop because that angel was there. And then Balaam saw this angel with a sword in his hand. He never expected that to happen. A lot of people, you know, I, I since I'm going to have a deliverance ministry that we work with, you know, a lot of people come in and they think somebody put a curse on them. Well, this king, I think it's Balak, was trying. He was cursing. He wanted Balaam, who was a prophet of God, to curse Israel. But after he experienced the angel and the donkey talking to him, he went into he went into um, into praising Israel and praising God instead of. Instead of cursing Israel, he began to praise. So here's what Nehemiah, and I'm going to turn to it and read it to you. Nehemiah, chapter 13, and verse 2. Because they did not meet the sons of Israel with bread and water, this is talking about Balaam, but hired Balaam against them to curse them, however, our God turned the curse into a blessing. See, for those of you Christians that you really believe somebody put a curse on you, and I've seen many people, even in the last couple of weeks, that believe that. And I said, well, you as a believer know the scriptures say that you can break that curse. God turns curses into blessings. That's what the shield of faith is all about. Somebody curses you, it bounces off your shield of faith when you say, it is written, there's no weapon formed against me that's going to prosper. Every tongue that accuses me in judgment, I, you have the authority to condemn. You have the authority. You have the authority here. Who? Some witch puts a curse on you? Just fire it back at it. Put up your shield of faith. It is written curse, cross scriptures. Like this scripture, God turns curses into blessings. Balaam wanted to curse Israel, but every time he opened his mouth, a blessing came out. 
That's not the only time. So Psalm 7, verse 15 and 16. I'm going to turn there and I'm going to read it to you because these are important because the church today is operating in fear when they know they have authority. They need to know they have authority. You can look the devil straight in the face and rebuke him and he can't touch you. You have that authority because you're a child of God. And I say it all the time. Here's a devil. Here's a saint. Which one is God going to choose? Come on. You know who he's going to choose. Here's Psalm 7. This is talking about your enemies. He, your enemy, he has dug a pit and hollowed it out, and has fallen into the hole which he made. See, that's your shield of faith. His mischief will return upon his own head, and his violence will descend upon his own plate. Your enemy digs a ditch for you to fall in, he'll fall into it. Because you're a believer, you have that authority. You're a saint of the Most High God. Proverbs 26, 2 I use these verses a lot, and I wanted to read them to you so you didn't think I was just, I was just talking up here. Psalm 26.2, Like a sparrow in its flinting, a swallow in its flying, so a curse without cause does not alight. That means it won't prosper. Somebody curses you, it won't prosper. You have the authority to break that curse because you're a saint. You're a shield of faith. It is written. That's what Jesus did. You have a shield of faith. You have the authority to condemn him. Belteshazzar, remember him? No, I'm sorry, not Belteshazzar. Belshazzar. Belshazzar. Let me read that passage. You're probably on the same uh, page if I would have did it when I was there. Daniel chapter 4, but this is Daniel chapter 5. Here's Belshazzar talking. But the God is in whose hand are your life breath and your ways you have not glorified. He's being told, you have not glorified the God of heaven like your father Nebuchadnezzar did at the end. Do I have to do this again? We're hard-headed. Nebuchadnezzar was hard-headed and his son Belshazzar was also hard-headed. He thought he built this kingdom again. He's going through exactly what his father father did, he did. Then the hand was sent from him, and this inscription was written out. Now this is the inscription that was written out. Many, many tekel aparsin. This is the interpretation of the message, many. God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel. You have been weighed on scales and have been found deficient. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and the Persians. Then Baz's shelter gave orders, and he clothed David in purple and put a necklace on, of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation saying, proclamation concerning him, that he now had authority as the third ruler of the kingdom. That same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. 
So Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about the age of 62. Wow. God doesn't mess around with pride. God doesn't mess around with pride. These people who d these people who I'm talking about here have not, um, what can I say? They don't know what tomorrow will bring. I'm telling you, live your life for Christ. And it's going to bring great reward in the end. I don't know what God, we know there's a crown of life and there's all different crowns and different things. You know what? You aren't doing it for the crown. You're doing it because you love the king. You're going to throw the crowns before him anyhow. This isn't your crown. In, in Revelation chapter 19, Jesus is wearing a crown. It's called, in Greek, it's diadem. It's a golden crown with all kind of jewels on it. Listen, and it's not too big for his head because he's bigger than them. Here's another one we'll look at in the New Testament. Luke chapter uh, 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. And he said to him, Man, who appointed me judge, a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a certain rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? And he said to him, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my gain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now you will own what you have have uh, prepared. So is the man who lays up his treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. And he has said to his disciples, For the, that reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as for what you shall eat or drink, nor your body as to what you shall put on. For life is more than food and the body and closing, consider the ravens, for they do neither sow nor reap, and they have no storeroom nor barns, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? This man was greedy. He's thinking about tomorrow. He didn't have tomorrow. Think about eternity. So many people rush through life. I did it myself. Looking for going to school, marriage, a career, college, a good job. And then we left out what really counts. We didn't even prepare for my, your eternal future. I was 27 years old whenever I prepared 
for my eternal future. I never even thought of it before that. Oh, yeah, I thought of Jesus. I've heard his name. I went to a mega church, you know, uh, a mega religion, I guess you could say. But, you know, I didn't know God. But then I met him that day. And my whole life changed. It was no longer about me. It was, I wanted my dad in heaven. I wanted my mom in heaven. I wanted my mother-in-law in heaven. I wanted, I wanted my children in heaven. It was all about getting to Jesus. And as I, as, as I did that, God prospered because your focus was on him. And that's what we need to do today. But you need to prepare for your future. Everybody's, everybody thinks they're so intelligent today, and they leave out the most important thing of all, their eternal life. Listen, for if you're out there or you're here, if you haven't prepared for your eternal life, it is written that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. At the memorial yesterday, there was 80, probably 80, 85, I don't know, 90 people there. I told them, A lot of you might claim to be Christians. But if you came to the altar and you received Christ in the altar and walked out of there the same person you were, then you did it with this and not this. It's time for you to do it with your heart. Your heart is what puts you to heaven. God doesn't care about your outward appearance. He don't care if you're pretty, beautiful. He don't care if you're thin or fat. He doesn't care if you're black or white or yellow or green or purple. He cares about your heart. And I also told them, you know, if you have a magnet, uh, a compass in your hand, it points north. This is, this is north, but it, it's magnetic north. And the same distance you missed heaven from your heart, from your head to your heart, even though there's in the magnetic north and true north, there's actually 1,200 miles difference. Whether you miss heaven by 1,200 miles or 18 inches, it doesn't matter. You missed heaven. And the reason why, Jesus Christ is true north. The world's telling you to go this way, and you're headed in the wrong direction. You need Jesus. You have to ask him into your heart with all your heart. And you don't have to utter a model prayer. You just pray with your heart. I know I did it years ago. I admitted, Jesus, you, you are the Lord. I need you. Come into my life. I forgive my sins. Give me the strength to come to the altar as I am, but leave as, you know, you leave as I am at the altar and you become a new creature. You come to the altar as you are, but you leave as, you don't leave as you were. So listen out there, listen. Do, just call on God. I believe in Jesus. Ask him to forgive your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness, Make you the person that he wants you to be. 
and ask him to give the Holy Spirit to you, which you'll receive anyhow just by asking Jesus into your heart. Because the Holy Spirit is actually the Spirit of Christ. And he'll live in you. And that's where Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You'll have a new life. You can start all over. And all your sins, remember, he said, as it says in verse 32, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all judgment, all your judgment to myself, because that's the context of that passage. John 12, 30 through 32. So listen, do it. If you do, would you send me a note, an email, joe at freedomchurchpb.org. Joe at freedomchurchpb.org. And let me know, because we want to rejoice with you. We want to rejoice with the angels in heaven. God bless you all. I'll come back next Sunday at 10 a.m. In Jesus' name, bye-bye. Amen.